0: Okay, so hello and welcome to the next in the series of the Gig CX Decoder Podcast. And our mission here is to help people understand a bit more about gig-based customer service or Gig CX, we call it. And uh, the way we do that is to bring on people on the show who I get the pleasure of interviewing who are far cleverer than myself in this wonderful world. But I'm your host, I'm Chris Dumpleton uh, Chief Sales Officer here at Good Ship Limitless. And uh, today I'm excited to be joined by Amy Lucas from Moss Adams. Amy is the director of client experience at Moss Adams, and um, rather than me try and do a, you know, a, an attempt at your experience and who you are. Can I just, I'm just going to hand it straight over to you? Can you tell us who you are and who are Moss Adams and what do you do, all that wonderful stuff?
1: Absolutely. I have been having fun in the customer experience and experience management space for 20 years uh, as director of client experience at Moss Adams, we are a professional services firm. So. The, the really exciting world of tax and accounting and mm. consulting services to businesses and individuals. Um, but like any other industry, the opportunity here to think about how we use our client feedback, how we design our roles and our processes to deliver our services and how we fol- you know, foster that that culture of client centricity and innovation to make sure we're delivering experiences to our clients that make them want to Keep using us, tell others about us, um, and, and drive business outcomes for us. And, you know, leading up to that, I've spent, spent time on both sides of the table. Once I, I found this space, I, I started as a CX program leader at um, another firm that didn't have anything. Let's figure it out and built it from there. Um, then switched to, to the, the consulting and advisory and, and research mm-hmm. side of the table with Temkin Group and XM Institute. And then more recently came back to this side of the table Leading CX teams, um, and just love love both sides, and love B two B, in the mm-hmm. intersection where customers and employees come together, because it really helps drive home why this this term or or world of experience management, I think, is so important because we've got to be connected. It's a collective effort, and you can't really think of of one without the other. If if you really want to drive that kind of success that the customer experience, customer service, experience management can bring um, to an organization.
0: Well, that's some intro. So you <laughs> so when you're when you're like a, you're a dinner party and people say, so what do you do? I mean, I, I appreciate it's probably not that long. But when you when you say you're in the world of sort of tax and accountancy yeah. and management stuff and that. But I mean, you, you've done a great job of bringing that to life. I'm, I'm already excited.
1: Well, and I, I tend to not worry about the what kind of business the company <laughs> does, but more, I you know, I help my company get feedback from its customers, just like you get surveys mm-hmm. in your inbox, which everybody can relate to, mm-hmm. or they, you know, they get a text, they get an email, they want feedback, you know, two seconds after they bought something online. And so people relate to that. And then I say, my job is to actually make the companies use that feedback, my company use that feedback to make the experience better the next time and and that always leads to a conversation of I always wonder if anybody ever looks at my feedback and off we go
0: well I've got i I'm going to come back I've got a question I'm going to come back to you but firstly you you've um you've introduced me to a new concept here which is experience management and or xms I think you Mm refer to it can you just expand a bit a bit around that for the listeners
1: yeah and so the you know the definition that that we used in in my old firm um, at XM Institute and how we talk about it is is really it's a discipline about Mm -hmm. how we use both experience data, that data that tells us how people are feeling, their perceptions, their attitudes, and operational data, the data that companies have about stuff that's happening, whether that's the number of calls into a contact center, Mm -hmm. the number of training programs an employee has taken, And it it brings that together to help organizations really build a habit around being thoughtful about the experiences they're delivering and drive that thoughtfulness into their decision-making and their business processes. And what I love about XM is it widens the aperture and thinks about customer, employee, product, and brand experiences. Each of them have their own place but they're Mm. also very, very connected. And this helps organizations think across those silos often in terms of Mm. how they're managed internally to look for those connection points so that it's not four different teams creating four different to-do lists of improvements, but instead how we're really getting to how collectively we build our culture, how collectively we use technology, how we build skills around learning from feedback and data and turning that learning into driving the right behaviors—that it's that it's either about the decisions we make in designing a product or revamping a process to the behaviors we train our people on, who might be directly or indirectly interfacing with our customers—and and that's why you know it's it encompasses all of the other X's: customer experience, employee experience, brand experience. But it also encourages organizations to think about them together and how they influence each other as well.
0: So does it sort of sit above all of those? So you take your quantitative and some of your qualitative errors and you, you bring it together into like a single score, or a single view? How does it work?
1: I mean, there's certainly some organizations that have done that. and There's pros and cons to sort of collectively coming up to an XM, single XM score mm. um, that, that start within those individual programs. But to me, it's more about, the thoughtfulness of the people and teams and the leaders of the organization being purposeful about how they structure themselves to design and deliver from the inside out, using those insights that are coming from the outside in. So Mm. it's not as much about getting to a single score, but thinking about if we're making these promises in our brand work, Mm. how are we making sure that interactions, whether they're online interactions or employee delivered interactions, match that? How does our product, if we have one, live up to that? And then what do we be, need to be doing for our employees to make sure that they feel they're also getting good promises from the organization and we're following through on, on creating a place that they want to be a part of and stay and help deliver on those business and brand objectives that the, the organization has set for itself?
0: Hmm. So, so my, my um the, the question I have was, a lot of that is all to do with the data you receive which is the which is the I guess the surveys and the feedback and the information you gather from customers employees and others what's your perspective on the data you don't receive because it's only you're only as good as the information you get but what is what does it tell you if you don't get any, any well, it's, uptake?
1: it's really interesting right the the data is important <clears throat> because a lot of times organizations, lose sight of the fact that when we talk about experience management, whether it's a patient, an employee, a customer, whomever, the experience is how the individual perceives it. Could they Mm -hmm. do what they want to do? Is it the right level of effort? How did it make them feel? And often we decide as a company what makes a good experience for us and and push it out at them. And Mm -hmm. we need that feedback loop in terms of who we don't hear from and it's an increasing challenge because everybody wants feedback now so seemingly mm. um, folks are inundated with it the time is is at a premium attention is at a premium you know there's a lot of different you know advances that have come from various you know parts of the the experience management ecosystem that let us one use more than just quantitative survey captured mm-hmm. data right we can use and 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 analyze qualitative, softer, unstructured data, whether that's in the form of comments that come into a survey or whether that's in the form of, of the back and forth and a support call. And what can we learn from what challenge the customer was trying to solve and the, the emotion they brought into that call and how we got them to a solution? Um, it also, that's why the operational data piece of, of our XM definition was so important because you can also look at your inside data and also get a sense about how experiences are going, even from people who never answer a survey, like everyone who Mm. calls into a contact center has, how much time did they spend on that call? How much time was, Mm. were they on hold? That sort of thing. Indicators from the, the rep or the agent as to whether maybe the agent felt they, they resolved that, that customers issue. Same with employees, right? We can see some of that same type of data. So organizations, I think, are getting smarter at using unstructured, unsolicited data with the help of different technologies to see what they can learn there. They're using operational data differently to try to see what are the signals that are telling us that an experience has likely gone off track. Let us get ahead of it, even without hard data from customers. Mm. And then they're tapping into they're in, in in terms of let's say learning about customers a lot of times they're also seeking feedback through their employees hmm. what are you hearing what are you seeing what are you observing what gets in the way of you doing your job in a way that we're asking you to to serve the customer the way we're asking hmm. you to it's a little bit harder trying to learn about the employee that way but we certainly see that voice of customer through employee you know, being more and more a part of how organizations try to learn in the absence of formal feedback coming back in through customers.
0: Yeah, I see that. I mean, I love that approach. I think the the sort of modern day suggestion box where you've got the uh, you've the ability for, for a, because people can offer, you know, when you're on the coalface and you see, you know, I'm just imagining now being in a contact center and, you know, my, my first ever job was in a contact center and here I am you know only a couple of years later so we still in this industry um and you know but you so people are on the front front line you, you get to hear what the problems are and i think all too often processes and journeys for customers are designed they're often designed i always i always have this thing so i'm sitting in a room now right where there's an aircon thing here that is designed by someone that's never walked into a meeting room and said I, i'd like i just like it to be Twenty degrees. It's just mm-hmm. it's got it's got cold. It's got fan speed and that sort of stuff. It's not it's not intuitive. So these things are often not designed intuitively based upon what what real people need. So often companies put technology to help help customers on their journey, and if they're not listening to the feedback and they're not listening to the feedback from what happens when potentially people get through to agents, then mm-hmm. They're not, they're not discovering where the, the moments of friction are that can ultimately just change your relationship with the brand. And they can be really subtle or they can be very specific. But if you don't have the mechanism for listening and you don't empower the agents to be able to suggest and encourage and foster that, not just as a tokenized thing, then you're missing out on a whole ability to, to change the way you're working for the best outcome, which is your customers, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if... If I, if I were to and often have in my past lives, you know, what's one thing I can do tomorrow that's not going to be a big investment for me? Go talk to your employees who are mm. serving your customers because they'll tell you. And sometimes it's the things we put in front of customers that our employees are trying to help them navigate through. In other instances, let's use the, the call center, right? Pressure on reducing handle time. The customer volume, you know, that call volume is is what it is. But what maybe management and leadership loses sight of is to capture the things that we're required to track during a call. They're having to switch between five screens internally. You're never going to hear about five screens switching from a customer in a survey, but ask your employees about what slows them down in helping customers. Right, yeah. They can even point out those things. So they can tell you what the customer's struggling with. Also, they can tell you what they're struggling with. And in B2B, it's the same way. You know, Talk to your partners, your channel partners, the ones that are helping you reach your customers. They too can tell you things that they struggle with understanding your pricing model. They struggle with you know, submitting mm. the, the final invoices for billing, whatever it might be. We can learn from those folks who are interfacing with our end customers as much as we can learn from our end customers. And a lot of frictions in that middle ground Mm. As as opposed to the end ground too. Mm.
0: So I love how yeah, XM seems to be focused on absolutely everything. You know, it brings together <laughs> the whole kind of yeah the whole soup to nuts and and um, so you know at, at limitless and what we do, which is all about gig based customer experience. So. Just extending a little bit around what you mentioned there around listening to actual members of staff so our model is that we can say to an organization look we've got this we've got this great idea right which is you have got a whole bunch of customers right yeah okay well they have already chosen to be your brand advocate because on their own volition have decided to buy your product or use your service wherever it is so we believe there's a different way of working which is we can forward the contacts that are most appropriate for them to be able to handle. And what you're gonna have is a peer-to-peer based conversation, a customer-to-customer based conversation where someone can say, I'm in your shoes, I've been there, I've got your products, I know what it's like. Why don't you try this? Have you tried rebooting that? Have you tried resetting this? Have you done, I've been there, I've done that sort of thing. And that for us sort of transcends a lot of the problems that are associated in the contact center industry, which is heavily, heavily dependent around driving the costs which dictate the customer service because they're often cost centers. They're mm-hmm. there to mop up the support that they don't <clears throat> excuse me, want to have in the first place. And so in, in that context where we're able to sort of connect existing customers with new customers or existing customers with already you know, more passionate um, uh, existing customers, how do you think that sort of into the world of, of experience management. What's your perspective over, over that? And, and do you have an experience of it in you know in your world?
1: Yeah, no, I I love this idea of of gig CX and, and using brand advocates. I think it fits really well within individually customer experience, but also applying some of the principles of broader XM to that relationship. There's often a missed opportunity um inside organizations, Mm. they get that formal feedback, and they put all their attention on how do we turn dissatisfied customers to happy customers? Mm. How do we stop detractors from being created? And they forget about promoters and activating those promoters in ways that help the organization and bolster the brand in the marketplace, whether that's as simple as prompting them for a referral or doing what you're doing, which is really bring them into helping to deliver the type of experience that got them to be passionate about the brand and create others who are passionate about the brand. I think the other interesting way that it fits in is when we think about consumer behavior and consumer psychology, we know that there are biases around social influence and recommendations Mm. from peers and people like me. And people like me could be other users of a product that I have no personal relationship with, but they love the same thing I love and a level of pre-built trust and credibility from those that might be actually higher than the perceived trust a a prospect or a very new customer has with a company. Mm. And so that piece of it also can accelerate that onboarding and that problem solving Mm. and that, that connection building because it's like oh this is a person like me they're in it like sometimes I mean we've all mm. been there we've we've reached out for help from an organization and I'm like oh my gosh have you ever used your website to book an <laughs> airline ticket because you're really this is not at all what you're not okay getting like it yeah for yeah. a flight and I'm trying to get help so you know so I, I I love the idea and 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 where it comes into play it sort of draws on some research that that I did. A number of years ago on what we called tethered employees hmm. and these are really it was about how we look at individuals who are representing the brand they're playing a critical role in delivering some part of the experience but they're actually not a direct employee of the of the, the mm-hmm. company at that time it was all you know often and in that research we looked a lot at, at outsourcing organizations and at you know companies like uber and DoorDash and the like at the time who were using folks who were sort of in and out, but were mm-hmm. representing key parts of the customer journey. And I think in, in this world of using brand advocates to deliver experience, we can tap into some of the same things that make a tethered employee experience successful in delivering it, right? We've got to think about an XM comes into play and using some discipline in terms of how does that orga- you know, originating company build its connection with those customers who are now its representatives? How does that original company or the, the primary company still forge a bond with its end customers? Mm. Um, and how do how do they now sort of treat those advocates in that middle ground as both employees, getting them equipped to be successful, informed, aligned, all of those things while, while not being too heavy-handed, mm. um, so that that they can have confidence that those those folks are gonna represent the, the brand in the way that they want and, and give help. And then I think to what we were talking about before, those same folks in the middle can be a valuable um, learning mechanism for the company because they too can be like, well, here's the workaround I'm telling mm. people about because we really can't, there's not an easy way to do this in your product, but here's the workaround. Now, mm. can you figure out how to get rid of the workaround so we can just do it? this way. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's just, there's a ton of benefit there, but I think just like smart organizations have to be thoughtful about engaging those more traditional outsourced um, tethered employees, they want to make sure that they're not taking this population for granted and they're equipping them to be successful. They're incentivizing, recognizing, rewarding them the right ways um, so that it's as good an experience being a representative of the company as they had being a customer of the company mm. that brought them to this point of wanting to be that sort of very active advocate with others.
0: You've given me a great idea, actually, and one I'm going to take internally, which is you mentioned before around listening to those yeah, I think you, you talked about MPS, but you know, people that are promote actively promoting a brand, <laughs> they they are the uh, they are the absolute hotbed of where where the invite should be to become brand ambassadors. I need to, to I need to double check that's what we're doing in the background. I'm pretty sure we are, but um, so the the I mean the thing I always find I was saying amusing, but you know, observational more than anything else is that because of the pressures around costs associated with customer service, the the BPO's or the tethered you know, employees yeah. that I, I, I always humor myself about how many of those are actually customers of the brand. You know, if, you, if you walk into a BPO and go, right, everyone, stop what you're doing here. Who here has actually got this product or brand or yeah. that stuff? I wonder how many would actually say yes. How many would say I, I've got something, but it's a competitors or I just don't even have anything at all. And it's just like the the... Because of the structure of the the way that the, the financial aspects need to work in cost centres, it's just it's often about body shops and bringing mm-hmm. people in and and finding them, training them, and retaining them, and then attrition kicks in, and you're on this constant conveyor belt. And then in, in, throughout all that time, you you lose the the mainstay of people that can deliver the experiences that hopefully will then reinforce the brand. So. Yep. And, and I think yeah, COVID has sped up a whole change in the way of working. It's sped up people's expectations about, um, or, or it's, it's challenged them about how they can work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I always think about my uh, you know, my daughter when she hits you know working age, and she I say you know, so dear daddy used to I used to go into an office every, like I used to sit at a desk for sort of nine ten hours a day. And she like, why would you do that? It's just madness. It's like this, this <laughs> generational shift has sped up with the, those entering the work age now, even let alone yep. nine years time And my daughter, Will, is why do you need to work in that structured way? Why can't you just, you know, and, and I think what technology has done is enabled us to, rather than before where you used to go, no, we've got to go and grab the people and then we've got to bring them to work. Is now we can federate the work out to the people wherever they may be, and they get the choice about how they yep. how they work to do that. And, and everything that we've seen shows that delivers a better outcome, not just from the customer side, but how they how they're engaged as well. So, well, we, I mean, it sounds like we're, we're all saying the same thing, which is which is um, which is fantastic. How do how would you employ um, an experience management approach? within a crowd of uh, brand advocates? How would you how would you view that? I,
1: I think it comes back to one of the words in the definition, which is discipline, um, right? We want to be thinking of how do we, you know, bring to them the information they need so that they can demonstrate the types of behaviors we know will create more customers yeah. like them, right? So we've got to inform them. We've got to empower and share information. Maybe even to the point of, of sharing whatever feedback we might be gathering, we've got to involve them and in how issues are managed, things are escalated, give them previews of upcoming launches, right, they're just such a great place mm. to help you prepare for how to bring something to market. You've, you've got to instruct them, right? They got to learn and, and be ready and, and prepared to, to deal with the right things that are, are funneled their way. And like I said before, how do we celebrate them? How do we reward, we recognize them? So that that XM approach really then is, is saying, how do we kind of build a culture around them with the same things we use with employees, but targeted mm-hmm. at this group? So there's there's a little bit of upfront effort and probably upfront investment to do that. But in the long run, as we see generally speaking, although it's it's still one of the leading challenges of, of, of CX of uh, leaders out there is like proving the ROI. But but there's there's enough data out there that tells us if if we do those things well um, and are thoughtful of, of being ready from the inside out, we can deliver the type of experiences that bring returns to us as an organization. And and, you know, candidly, you'd want to do that because, you know, a poor gig CX experience not only risks the end customer who's reaching out for help or guidance or point in the mm-hmm. right direction, but potentially could alienate the advocate. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think it's not something to be taken lightly And so guiding those organizations as they move into delivering experiences this way, I think is really important. But I'm also, I'll be totally candid, biased because that intersection of employee slash customer and how are we taking care of whoever it is that's delivering the experiences is is really like why I love this space and have stayed in it so long. So I think that's just the thing to be mindful of. There's massive power in activating your advocates, but you also could easily alienate them if you, you know, lose sight of of what and why you went down this path in the first place, and you're not carefully, you know, as we were talking about offline, tending mm. the house plants as they grow and flourish, <laughs> they could very quickly get stuck in a dusty corner, and suddenly, like they're out looking for some other house to live in because they're not getting the care and feeding they need from <laughs> us. So, you know, I I think, I just I I think there's really great opportunity, but I think. It's it's not advocating responsibility, right? If you're going to use your advocates, I think mm. there's still a level of commitment those companies want to make sure they're they're prepared to make, so that those advocates really are are you know flourishing in the in what we're asking them to do.
0: You've already given me a couple of really good ideas. Actually, I like this concept of um, seeing what else they can they can be exposed to but in a way that fosters their engagement more Mm -hmm. so whether it's early access release to products or it's sneak previews of things or it's the whether it's merch or swag or it's like well you know you get this different type of engagement with them so you're we're going to we're going to have to use this analogy now, Amy. We talked about houseplants, right? But you know, you you are you're you know you're you're watering it. the yeah you're watering the houseplant in a way that's not just you know I've got to do this. You're actually thinking about what's the best way for them to flourish. And so I've got a couple of so you give me a couple of great ideas. I'm definitely going to ask about where we because typically what happens with um uh, with the brands we work with like. Uh, let's talk about I mean playstation's one of our biggest customers um, uh, and that's just gone you know, it 's gone gangbusters because yeah. they 've realized the the power of having players talk to players and it 's not just about the macroeconomics of taking it away from brick and mortar operations and it being you know cheap more you know cheaper but it's the fact that they can all go to bed at night knowing that they've got it's almost a self-fulfilling community where you've got <clears throat> the people are asking questions. They've been helped by people who've already got the answers, and they're all, they're all PlayStation customers. And the number one objective is to get people back into the game, playing mm-hmm. on the on the platform again. And if you can do that in a way that drives empathy, which is this hor- suddenly sort of hidden art empathy, it's uh, something that people throw throw around a lot. Yep. it's very difficult to prove it's like it's like a, it's like a mist it's like this thing that doesn't have any matter and you've got to try and prove you're doing something in that space and arguably it comes down to this or does it feel like we are doing the right thing here and i don't think anybody could argue i know i'm biased and clearly you are as well but with the, but the thing is i i know that you know we're things are all customers right so we all we all have relationships with brands and the number one question for me is: Would you rather have somebody ask you answer your question, who's got your product and has been mm-hmm. through what you've been through, than someone that doesn't, and they're just going to go through some form of script? I think we all know the answer.
1: Right, and and what a lot of of companies short sightedly ignore, but intellectually they probably know, is before a lot of customers call you company A, B, or C, they've reached out to a family or friend, like, have you had right. this problem? Who is your favorite insurance company? Da, 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 you know, B2B or B2C. Mm. And I I think, right, they're already doing that. So to sort of harness again that trust, that experience, and that two-way desire for community. I like using this product because there's other people using this product mm. and they're cool people and they're nice people. And and I'm confident in the answer I'm getting because they're they're describing things I've seen. I I just it 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 really is. I think, an opportunity to build affiliation in a lot of different directions. People want to affiliate with the things that they like and they trust and share oh that God. and talk about it. And there's there's nothing more convincing than someone who truly believes what they're saying versus someone who may be reading off a script or or well-trained and, mm. and by rote um, giving some things. There's certainly places for that, but I think as as we see the shift of of generations, as we see a shift of that desire for emotional experiences, mm. I, I think there will be rewards for finding ways to create community, even around products that aren't necessarily community driven. Um, you know, and I, I think that's that's where this value proposition is really interesting because it's like, oh, you know, here's here's you know, somebody else who's trying to fix a sink. Right. Mm. And they're helping me through the, the certain wrench. Like there's no community of wrench users, but I can find someone who can talk me through this or, or whatever the case may be. So, you know, that's that's what I think will will pay off is it's just tapping into so many elements of of consumer behavior and what we're seeing in the market on top of sound practices in mm. experience design and experience management.
0: I couldn't agree more. Uh, and uh, I think one of the things I think that's sort of fueled the interest in this area. I mean, yeah, economics aside, but it's it's to do with the the genuineness of conversations because the the world is awash with fake reviews or influencers that are nice. just there to, you know. Uh, and everyone's sort of like, you know, is this real? Is this real? Do I cannot believe this person? It comes down to trust and believability and. And if anything's disingenuous or it appears like it's some form of referral program or some sort of affiliation or whatever it might be, people yep. can, most people can smell it a mile off and and you just don't feel like you're having a human experience. You feel like you're you're just being sold to or just being marketed to, whatever it might be. And this whole model cuts through all of that by the virtue of the fact that we are only onboarding people who are already chosen to be customers. So there's no absolutely no biases there whatsoever. Like there's no... Um, we're not bringing people on and say, right, say these things. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, It's like, well, you already are a customer. Do you want to become a brand ambassador? Yeah, I'd love to be. Uh, okay, well, look, all you got to do is come on here and show us you can handle these types of questions and how would you want to pass the test in order to become a, a brand ambassador. And then you're free to go and you're free to come on the platform. You're free to help answer other customer inquiries. Here's a knowledge base to help people and that stuff. And we know from the insights that we get from the interactions that it's those sound bites that you mentioned at the start and it's the surveys that we get which is that it was so nice to talk to somebody who I believed it's so nice to get some real feedback and it was so nice to hear about this workaround from someone that's been in my Mm -hmm. been in my shoes and in this world where uh, companies are switching business models largely to subscription-based services and a lot of those subscription-based services are pursue pay as you go but they're not you know year-long contracts anymore yep so loyalty is becoming very liquid and you can lose your loyalty very quickly um trying to build trust again and people you can switch very easily you know switching has become so switchings become commoditized so yep. you have know, a bad experience you not you think it's good enough you're off to somewhere else you know mm-hmm. largely the services can be can be the same so so hopefully that's you know that, that that's what we're all about. It's about trying to inject some realism and humanity back.
1: Authenticity, <laughs> yeah. authenticity yeah. makes a difference, I think. And and as as you pointed out, there's so many other things where you're like, really, is that really? Mm. And you know when when that authenticity resonates, it it it's like oh, I want I want that again, right? Like I'm more likely mm. to call back in with the next question rather than get frustrated for half an hour. Trying to figure it out, um, and so I, I think right, it, it just, I, I believe it, it has cascading benefits over time, and then people tell about it. It's like, not only am I, I love this product, mm. but oh my God, have a problem with it and like reach out for help. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> which and is the, a completely the... different attitude than most people have, which is as long as you never have a problem, they're a great business, you know. But if you have a problem, forget it. <laughs>
0: All too common, all too common. Well, that's been a fascinating conversation, Amy. I think we probably need to wrap it up or we'll we'll spend a day and then we'll we'll have to bring the houseplant analogy back in. But I've really (laughs) enjoyed talking to you. I've I've definitely stolen two ideas um, and I'm going to be asking my fellow colleagues here what we're doing around that. Um, You've introduced me to experience management and that's been fascinating. That's actually the first time I've really come across that. Now I've understood that a lot better and hopefully people have got some... uh, some good, good insights into all of that. And it's been just so, been wonderful talking to you. Thank you for giving up your time. And, it's been uh,
1: great to be here.
0: Great. Well, have fun in sunny, well, we're, we're, we're really sunny at the moment. What, what sort of weather it are you
1: is, It is kind of sunny at the moment. Kind we're in of that sunny. rainy, sunny t- time of year, but it's it's yeah, all good okay. here. Good for the house plants. <laughs> good for
0: the houseplants. Well, let's call that a wrap. Thank you so much again, and uh, stay tuned for the next in the series of the Geek 6 Decoded Podcast. Mm.